I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Fridays. It is college football eve tomorrow. Tomorrow, there will be games aplenty, and I am looking forward to watching them, as I know many of you are as well. We'll be having a lot of fun on OutKick during the college football season. Indeed, we are well on track to have the biggest month in the history of OutKick in August. Thank you to all who have been supporting what we do, and uh, I think we're going to have a good fall together. Uh, But... I'll get to that in a minute. College football eve. A couple of news stories if you are a big college sports fan. Auburn has fired A.D. Allen Green effectively. His contract is up and he is not returning. Obviously, uh, that is a sign that people were not very happy with his tenure there. Fired is maybe the wrong word, but they will not extend his contract. Take it as you will. Uh, Good news if you are a University of Tennessee fan, wide receiver Brew McCoy, who has transferred from USC and also been at Texas, former five-star wide receiver. We'll see what he's got in the tank. He is immediately eligible to play. Uh, The Tennessee will start their season next Thursday. We'll actually be uh, with the OutKick 360 doing a live show to kick off college football season in Knoxville on Thursday. That's what, six days from now, we'll be up in Knoxville. I'll tweet out where we're going to be. If you're going to be at the Ball State-Tennessee game, you can come by and and hang out. Next week, I think I can start to say this now. I think this is public. Uh, Next week, I'll be at Alabama, Texas with the big noon kickoff show uh, with Fox, with Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Brady Quinn, Uh, Urban Meyer, Rob Stone, I'll be a part of that crew for the kickoff of the big noon uh, season. Alabama playing against Texas in Austin. Also have the Clay and Buck radio show down in Austin, Texas. Another one of the cities where we're number one. Uh, So I look forward to uh, hopefully meeting a lot of you there. Week after that, we'll be down in Alabama at Penn State Auburn. And then the week after that, I will be at Florida, Tennessee, back in Knoxville. Uh, That is my September schedule as college football arrives. But while it is college football eve, I would be remiss, and I should mention, I'll be down in Atlanta speaking, I think, at a 500-person event tomorrow, uh, in and out of the city quickly for that event tomorrow. So look forward to seeing a bunch of you uh, there at that event. Uh, in Atlanta. But a couple of big news stories. Today, they officially released the affidavit to justify the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And if there was any doubt at all about what the justification was to have this raid, even though around 50 or 60% of this affidavit is redacted, there should be no doubt any longer that this is a dispute between President Trump and the National Archives over where his presidential papers should be located. 
That's the real dispute, okay? I'll break this down for you in greater detail, but I want to talk with you about how every single time that Democrats think they have President Trump, they're wrong, but at least prior to now, what they were alleging he had done was significant. Follow me. 2016 Russia collusion hoax. The idea was Trump had colluded with Russia against Hillary Clinton, and that was the reason he was president of the United States. That's what the Mueller report was about. That's what the entire investigation surrounding Russia was about in the wake of the 2016 uh, uh, presidential election. No crimes. No crimes were found. Zero prosecution. Effectively a vindication of Trump. Almost everything surrounding Russia collusion was made up. Okay? So, number one, we're going to get him. He's going to walk out in handcuffs. The Rachel Maddow, uh, the, the story that she sold to all of her viewers, Russia collusion, nothing to it. Okay? We're going to get Trump too. Impeachment. What was he impeached for? Talking to Ukraine's president and asking him to investigate what Hunter Biden did with Ukraine and whether there was criminal uh, behavior in that respect. That is impeachment to it fails. And I think you can say, far from being wrong, Trump was actually vindicated in everything that he said about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's, what I believe is, illegal relationship with Ukraine and with China. So that was the second one we're going to get him. Third one, January 6th, he was impeached again. We've had the January 6th hearings. To me, the raid on Mar-a-Lago is evidence that there is no smoking gun associated with January 6th and that the desperate attempts to catch Trump now boil down to document storage disputes with the National Archives. Now, let me talk about this again. I told you, hey, the allegation of Russia collusion was a big one. If it were right, it would have been really significant. The allegation that Trump was attempting to get Ukraine to investigate a political rival's son when there was no evidence of criminal wrongdoing would have, if it were true, been a big story. January 6th, if the president was trying to keep the new president from taking office and attempting to stage a coup, that would have been a big deal. Now, all three of those things were not true and all failed, okay? There was no crime associated with January 6th on behalf of the president of the United States. All three of those would have been big deals. They were big allegations. They were seismic attacks upon Donald Trump that if they were true, would have had significant and severe legal consequences. Think about where we are now. From colluded with a foreign power to win an election, from colluded with a foreign power to try to instigate an investigation into a rival son with no justification, from tried to overthrow the United States government to what we're talking about now, which is had improper possession of presidential documents. Let me be clear about this. These are documents that Trump was entitled to possess when he was president. 
and that now that he is not president, they are arguing he no longer could possess, and that it was so dangerous that these documents had to be seized and taken to the National Archives. That's where we are now. A dispute over whether the president has the authority to keep his papers or not. Because there's no dispute that he had the right to these papers in the first place. Now, you can argue maybe this is messy of Trump. I tend to think he was probably saving documents that he believes uh, provide some defense for him in the Russia collusion hoax and other allegations of impropriety that are out there, that he was afraid something might happen to many of these documents. That's my guess. Uh, But to get back documents over a dispute with the National Archives, the National Archives waited 18 months and interacted with Trump quite a lot and was continuing to get more and more documents back and then decided that they needed to have an FBI raid to get these documents back. That's despite the fact that these documents have been there for 18 months and also that according to CNN reporting, the National Archives said, hey, can you just FedEx some of these documents to us and give us a tracking number? If they're really that dangerous... If the documents were really that important, would you be able to FedEx it? And remember where these documents are being held. Everybody's like, oh, it's so dangerous that that the president would have them. The president had these documents under lock and key inside of his private residence that was protected by the Secret Service and there was a video camera outside recording anybody who came and went. So is the National Archives really that much safer than the Secret Service protected under lock and key private residents? And again, the dispute here is over who has the right to maintain these private classified documents, and allegedly. And the big issue here is the Department of Justice is trying to turn this into a really big deal. They broke precedent already by staging the first ever raid on a former president of the United States. And that raid is being led by his chief political rival as he prepares to run against him again, which should be reason why there should have never been a raid in the first place. But larger context here, the government has already said, even though Hillary improperly handled classified documents, They're not going to prosecute it. So how in the world can there be any suggestion that there will be prosecution here? What I will tell you is this is a big, fat nothing burger, which is evidence of the actual desperation that exists among the Trump derangement syndrome folks to try and go grab Donald Trump for anything. And what is significant is of all of the uh, major investigations that have happened against Trump, Russia collusion, Ukraine impeachment one, January 6th, the January 6th hearings, this is by far the weakest. And if there were by chance going to be some sort of uh, crime alleged here, Trump's people are making a pretty clear argument that he has the right to retain these documents. 
But also, I think this politically strengthens Trump much more than it weakens him. And so this story, I think, is going to fade rapidly, much like we saw with the Cassidy Hutchinson testimony on January 6th. Remember, that was a bombshell. Oh, my goodness. Trump tried to grab the steering wheel and tried to choke out a Secret Service agent. And then that story just kind of vanished. I feel like in many ways, this story is going to vanish too uh, because now the documents are evidently in the in the uh, control of the National Archives. But also, are you really going to charge a former president of the United States with not storing documents correctly? Especially when he has an argument that he owns these documents. Remember, prior to Richard Nixon, pretty much every former president kept his own papers. And then they had presidential libraries and everything else. This only changed in like the early 1980s. So the precedent of exactly how this uh, uh, law would be applied against a president doesn't really exist. So you have an unprecedented raid and you have statutes that have not been applied against a sitting president before. And somehow this is all that we've got. I actually see this as a tremendous sign of weakness on behalf of the Department of Justice and any investigation of Trump. Because if they thought they had him on January 6th, then they would never have done this raid. Now, there's the possibility that this was a fishing expedition and that they got the warrant signed off on under the auspices of the National Archives issue and that they are hoping that during their search of Mar-a-Lago, they found some sort of smoking gun related to January 6th. That seems unlikely. Um, Also, arguably, it wouldn't be admissible because it wouldn't be covered, uh, maybe, because we can't see the whole affidavit, but it may well not be covered by the warrant that was granted, which is why the Trump people are searching for a special master to be able to review all of these documents and get some of them back. I will say, if there were some sort of smoking gun in this 38-page affidavit, it probably would have already been leaked to the Department of Justice, uh, from the Department of Justice, to the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, some favorable media source that also ran wild with all the Russia collusion hoax rumors and gave themselves a bevy of awards over it. So I would just say there does not appear to be very much substantive in nature related to this uh, right now. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A couple of other things. 
Did you see Mark Zuckerberg yesterday with Joe Rogan? The way bigger story from a scandal perspective is that Mark Zuckerberg admitted that the FBI briefed Facebook and told them to be on the lookout for disinformation. And that feels like collusion to try to keep the Hunter Biden story from being able to be distributed in the run-up to the election. And remember, even based on the election tallies that are out there, Biden won the presidency by about 20,000 votes. So the collusion of Twitter, Facebook, all social media platforms to keep the Hunter Biden story from being distributed likely rigged the election in Joe Biden's favor. But the fact that we have Mark Zuckerberg the CEO, chairman, whatever his official title is of Facebook, which now calls itself Meta, the fact that we have him saying on Joe Rogan's podcast that the reason why they undertook to restrict the sharing of the Hunter Biden story on Facebook by New York Post, the reason why they restricted it on their algorithms was because the FBI had tipped them off that Russian disinformation might be coming, was a lie by the FBI, designed, it appears, to protect Hunter Biden and make it more likely that Joe Biden was elected president of the United States. This is a massive story. This goes to the heart of independence. People out there say, well, wait a minute. Uh, You know, you got to trust the FBI. Have you guys ever actually studied history? The FBI under J. Edgar Hoover was completely untrustworthy. It was Hoover's private uh, uh, organization designed to go after his political enemies. And interestingly, many of those political enemies at the time were in the civil rights movement. J. Edgar Hoover tried to get Martin Luther King to shoot himself, to commit suicide, because Hoover had evidence of the fact that MLK was engaging in extramarital affairs. The FBI was wiretapping. The FBI had bugs. The FBI was inside of the civil rights movement trying to figure out what exactly was taking place in the 1960s. So this idea that the FBI is above uh, uh, reproach or is uh, it's anti-democratic to challenge the FBI or ask questions about their powers or their influence. Look, they signed off in an illegal warrant to spy on Donald Trump's campaign. They colluded clearly with big tech companies to restrict the release of the Hunter Biden uh, laptop and story surrounding it. They still have not charged Hunter Biden with any crime at all. They investigated via a storming of the gates at Mar-a-Lago, they raided a former sitting president. We've never seen any of this happen. So forgive me if I don't trust the FBI. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin was on with us, and he said, I don't trust the FBI any further than I can throw them with us about an hour ago based on the fact that he has seen that there is uh, an anti-democratic pick-a-side universe that exists right now in the FBI. Uh, a couple of other stories out there. Um, $1 trillion, according to a Penn Wharton study. 
Uh, there was a question that was asked, I believe, by Jackie Heinrich. Basically, they were pushing the Biden White House and saying, how do you know it's paid for if you don't know what it costs? The Biden White House is refusing to tell us what this uh, student loan bribe costs. And so rightfully, uh, Jackie Heinrich is asking the question, okay, how do you know it's paid for if you don't know what it costs? This reminds me of when my wife would go out shopping and she'd come back with all these bags and I'd be like, well, what it costs? I don't know. But you paid for it. Well, that's not very helpful, right? You ever been around Christmas? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's the husband. Maybe it's the wife. They go out shopping and you're trying to figure out what they actually spent and there isn't any uh, indication of what has been spent or what the cost of something was. It's kind of the Biden White House right now. But the Penn Wharton study suggests it's going to cost $1 trillion. So if you thought you didn't have any student loan debt, guess what? You're wrong. You got a trillion dollar share now. $6,000, I think, on average per family. Uh, I paid off my student loans. Uh, I hope that you did as well. Why in the world now am I supposed to take on somebody else's student loans? And fortunately, I was able to go to college and go to grad school. But a lot of people weren't. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, I went to a lower caliber college because they gave me a scholarship. Um, Full disclosure, I applied for college uh, to University of Virginia, Wake Forest, Davidson College, and, and George Washington, and Georgetown. I turned down those other schools because I got a scholarship to George Washington University, and I didn't want to spend full freight and end up in debt too much by going to those schools. A lot of you did. A lot of you may have chosen to go. I graduated in three years, too, to try to reduce the cost of my overall college education. A lot of you did the same thing. So let me just ask you this question. Why should you be punished for that? Why should parents who saved money for their kids so they didn't have to take out loans be punished because other parents didn't, this is fundamentally wrong, okay? Student loans are the obligation of the student. They actually are going to make cost of higher education worse. And so I would just point out that Joe Biden doesn't have the constitutional authority. I would encourage you to go back and listen to yesterday's show if you want me to lay out all of those arguments. But the Biden administration right now is simultaneously arguing that Title 42 can't be enforced at the border because the COVID emergency is over and that they need to be able to spend $1 trillion on student loan debt removal, the big bribe, by saying that the COVID emergency is remaining. So how on the one hand do you argue COVID's over to open up the border and on the other hand argue that COVID is still an issue uh, when it comes to you and your ability to cancel out a trillion dollars in debt? And Some people out there right now are saying, what about the PPP loans? Well, first of all, the legislative branch passed the PPP, all right? So that went through the legislative approval, whether you agree or disagree with it. Larger context, the reason why PPP existed was because the federal government told everyone that they were shutting down people's ability to work and businesses wouldn't have been able to make payroll 
and keep their employees paid, given the fact that the government was shutting down the entire country, unless the PPP existed. We still hit, I think it was like 20% unemployment. It would have been far higher. Now, you're talking to a guy who was completely opposed to the idea of shutdowns, to the idea of lockdowns uh, over COVID. I was completely opposed to that. I didn't ever stop working. I don't think I missed a day. So I was all in on fighting against that. But you can't compare something that the president is doing with the stroke of a pen with what occurred with the PPP. And the fact that the White House is now leaking out. Now, look, I never took any PPP money. So I got a business. I never took any money. Uh, I was able to continue. Uh, I kept everybody that was on our staff, on our staff, all those things. I took a pay cut so that people didn't have to get fired in the places where I worked, um, at Fox, at iHeart. I took pay cuts, all that stuff, okay? But people had to take that in many instances. I did, so I'm pretty consistent here. But when you're going to leak people's names and the fact that they took PPP um, and you're going to hold them accountable for that when it went through the legislative process and was passed, if, look, I'll be honest with you, if Congress in the Senate and the House passed a $1 trillion debt reduction act on student loans, I would disagree with it, but I would acknowledge that Joe Biden had the authority to sign that bill and make it happen. It didn't go through the legislative process. This is not permissible. It is not going to stand, in my opinion, on a constitutional basis. Finally, or a couple more things. Aaron Donald, did you see the clip? Uh, A great, outstanding Rams player in a uh, scrimmage against the Bengals. I don't know who thought, hey, let's have the two teams that played for the Super Bowl scrimmage against each other. It'll probably go really well. Uh, But Aaron Donald ended up swinging helmets at people, much like Miles Garrett did in the game against uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Miles Garrett, obviously, of the Cleveland Browns. And I don't understand why there wouldn't be significant penalties levied against Aaron Donald for swinging a helmet much like we saw happen with Miles Garrett. Now, I understand one was in practice and the other one was in the game, but the danger of the action is not somehow eliminated based on the fact that it happened in a mixed team practice as opposed to taking place in uh, television. Now, I think the reality is, if I remember correctly, that was a Thursday night football game. If I remember correctly... Uh, That was back all the way in 2019 before everybody had lost their minds. But if I remember correctly associated with that, um, Miles Garrett basically got suspended for the rest of the year and became a pariah in some sense of the word. So the reason why that became such a big story was because it happened on Thursday night football and everybody was watching it happen as opposed to happening in practice where relatively few people saw it. But I do think there should be consequences for Aaron Donald for what he did in a practice if the precedent is what happened to Miles Garrett in a game. I understand game versus practice is different, but the danger, if you get clocked in the head by a helmet, isn't different on a field with a lot of people watching versus in practice. Both times, it is behavior that should have consequences associated with it. Finally, uh, a lot of people out there, 
Uh, Joe Biden's talking about Donald Trump supporters are semi-fascist. Semi-fascist sounds like a really bad name for a new car. Uh, It's not going to have a lot of carryover. But Kathy Hochul is the governor of New York. She said 5.4 million Republicans should leave. Remember when Joe Biden said he was going to unite the country? Remember when Democrats tried to say we're all about breathing, bringing people together? That hasn't happened at all. In fact, Joe Biden has divided the country further than it was before. He spent trillions of dollars. He is the worst president in any of our lives. And there need to be consequences for what he's doing come November. And Kathy Hochul saying she wants every Republican to move out of New York. Well, I would encourage them to move. I would encourage them to move to states where they could have a major impact in the 2022 or 2024 elections, in particular states that were toss-ups. If there's 5.4 million Republicans and Kathy Hochul wants them out, move somewhere where you can change the outcome of a state in a presidential or Senate race. Uh, If you're fortunate enough to be able to live anywhere, go ahead and leave New York and go somewhere where your voice will be better respected if you are one of those 5.4 million New Yorkers. All right. I hope all of you have fantastic weekends. Like I said, I'll be in Atlanta tomorrow. Uh, College football officially underway tomorrow. Interested to see what Nebraska, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, among others, all do. In fact, let me look at the uh, let me look at the roster of games. You know, we have a scoreboard now at the top of the Outkick website. So if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, I want to make sure that I stay on top of everything. Games are kicking off at noon tomorrow. I cannot wait. Uh, Nebraska is an 11-point favorite over Northwestern. Uh, I will take uh, Nebraska. I'll take Northwestern in that game. I haven't put my bets in, by the way, yet. Uh, we've got Wyoming going up against Illinois. I will take Wyoming plus the points. Uh, and then we have, let's see, I'm trying to look for just D1 matchups that are Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Vanderbilt's all the way out to nine now which is a big uh, line move, uh, I think I would be inclined to uh, to take Hawaii and the over in that one. But I'll tweet out my picks for you tomorrow. Uh, appreciate all of you hanging out with us. My name is Clay Travis. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been Outkick, the show.